How are you all doing tonight? Good. Okay. Don't mind that. It's coming soon. All right. By the way, if you all want to read along, our scripture is going to be Ephesians 4, 1 through 16. All right. I'll give you all a second turn through there. But uh, while you all are turning there, um, I got a question. What is faith? Is there any guesses whatsoever at that? I mean, that's a pretty serious question. Anybody want to try to tackle it, Leroy? You want to try it? What's faith, Leroy? The say it again. Substance of things hoped for, and the evidence of things not seen. That's a pretty good verse, Nick. An invisible trust. That's a pretty good one, too. Is there anybody else who wants to take a shot in the dark, Michelle? Confidence in something. Jack? I didn't even hear what you said, so. Belief in God or in the doctrines of religion. Okay, Drew, last one. Trust in something that you can't really see. Well, that's pretty good. I got some things that, like, in everyday life that, I mean, these, these aren't, like, extremely biblical things. But just faith, like, in things general, everyday type things. Um, I got faith that tomorrow will be here. Like, tomorrow will come tomorrow whenever I wake up. I'll wake up tomorrow. I have faith that my truck will crank outside whenever I go to leave tonight and that I'll be able to get some food. I have faith that Tennessee will one day utterly smash Florida's tyranny into the ground. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, let me hear it, Grayson. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Anyways, I have faith that the lights came on, and that light would come on if I hit that switch over there. I have faith that school is coming soon. <laughs> For all y'all. I have faith that... Y'all will do just fine after we leave to take over fuel and carry it on in the next decade, as Grayson said a few minutes ago. I have faith that I will wake up tomorrow and be still on this earth. I even got faith that I'll have enough breath to finish this sentence. Okay, got it. All right. But what about God? Like, what, what, how do we get that faith in God that everybody always... You know, it's, it always seems like it's slipping out of our grasp. You know, we never quite can grasp what that means. You know, we have faith in little things like my truck's going to crank when I go outside. But why don't why do we as like individuals every day have such a hard time like believing and having faith in God like every single day and having faith in His Nick? Okay, all right. Well, I mean, you think maybe it's because we don't always see Him working? Every single day? Like, we don't always see, we don't always being used 100%, do we? We feel like sometimes that, you know, it's just a dead time. Like, it's almost like, do you see my hand moving? At all. Nick can see it. He has supervision eyes. Well, no. But at the very least, it's moving because there's pulse running through it. And even though we might not be able to see it, it's barely moving. But see, you might not be able to see it that much because it's not that prevalent as if I'm like, flailing around here, then you could see it, right? Well, it's like we always seeking like 
giant spiritual highs and like victories over giant battles and like we're going to be like, you know, king of everything, you know, like we're going to dominate all of our sin and everything's going to be perfect. But like whenever there's times where it's nothing's really happening and it's like the weeks after you're tired or, you know, you nothing's really happening, you just kind of lose sight of it, you know. It just seems like there's just kind of a time where you're just like, well, I guess God's not using me right now. You know, I hope he does soon, you know. But um, I'm, I'm going to give you like a scenario here. And this, this is where this comes into effect. You feel like wind around you and like air moving constantly, right? Like if I come up and like fan you in the face, you're going to feel the air. Like you go outside, you feel the breeze coming through in the wind. You feel the air in here. It feels good, finally. And you, you have like fans to keep us cool. And it's like, do you actually see the wind? Like, do you see it traveling through here? Is it a certain color? And like, do you see it dispersing? No, it's invisible. I can feel it, but I can't see it. You know, I don't see it moving that much. But then again, we, we like freak out and, you know, pay attention whenever these giant storms come through and we have pictures of hurricanes and come through and just, we see all the devastation around. And we really notice whenever it has a lot of power and a lot a lot of, you know, we see it when there's a great effect coming on. Now, that's kind of like how we treat God sometimes as far as we'll be like, and the times whenever it's just a fan, you might just walk through here and not have noticed the air being on tonight. You might have just sat down and think, well, there, you know, it's not even part of your thought process. But even if it is, you're like, well, there's no real wind tonight. You know, it's just cool in here. And you might even walk in front of that fan and be like, well, I don't even notice it. It's just another thing. Well, you know, that wind is still pushing stuff. No matter how small, little infinitesimal specks of dust is still moving. You know, God's hand is always in effect, moving. Even though we can't always see it as prevalent as giant storms coming over and blowing trees out of the ground and everything, it's always in effect. Now, we wait for a giant moment to come around whenever we can really see the hand of God work. Now, I've got... Can you all still hear me? Is my mic working good? Okay, well, we wait for moments where we can see that as much as you could see that right there. We wait for moments like that when we can see everything. We go, there he was. I saw God. I saw him moving. I saw him working. You think, wow, I just saw him. That's amazing. You know, you praise God because you saw you saw him do some great work and you saw him do something amazing in your life. My microphone's coming off here. You see him do something amazing. You think, wow, look at that. And then, like, at camps or something, when you'll have this huge spiritual high, and you're like, oh, yes, this is awesome. And then you come back, and a week later, you're just kind of like, all right, that's faded off. You know, what's next? You know, it just kind of, it dies, you know. But, um, like, tonight, I wanted, I wanted to show you all, like, a real practical look at faith. And not like the, the things that, you know, it's hard to see and imagine. I'm going to give you all some real stuff, and that will show you, like, what's happening, even though, like, the wind here, even when it stops, that like it's still, there's still stuff happening right there. Now, my first point in here is over verses 1 through 3, if you're reading along. But uh, before I get to that, i got a story for y'all. Now, there was this guy once. He's sitting in his living room. He's just, and God tells him, hey, there's going to be a flood. And it's going to wipe out everybody, but don't worry, I'm going to save you. And he goes, Sweet, man, I'm good, you know, I'm, I'm cool. And he's like, okay, well, it starts raining, raining pretty hard, and he's starting to get worried. A truck comes by, and he goes, 
hurry up, get in. It's, it's going to flood soon. We know we're evacuating the area. He goes, no, I'm good. God's going to save me. But thanks, though. I'm like, okay, whatever. And they leave. Well, later on, the waters keep rising. Finally, he's up in the second story. The entire bottom floor is flooded. A boat comes through and goes, dude, get on. It's about to be bad here. You're about to flood and die. You ha- this is like your, one of your last chances. You have to go. No, I'm good. God will save me. Don't worry about it. But thanks. You know, I'll, I'll see you later. Okay, whatever. Finally, he's on the roof of his house holding on to his chimney as the waters are coming. And a helicopter comes by and goes, please get in the helicopter. You're going to die. Now nah, God's going to save me. But thanks, though. You know, I'll see you later. Back whenever all the waters aside. He dies. And whenever he gets to heaven, he goes, God, you said you were going to save me. Why didn't you? He goes, I sent you a truck, a boat, and a helicopter. Why didn't you get on one? That's kind of how we expect it sometimes. We, we get something in our heads, and it's like the wrong kind of faith. We, we kind of picture it differently than what it really is. Now, my first point is what faith, what faith is. Now, what does faith look like? Does anyone have an idea what faith looks like, what it might look like in, in a world? Like, other than what we've said so far, what does it look like? Not just what is it. What does it look like? What kind of characteristics does it have? Nobody. What? Not worrying? Okay, not worrying. Trusting. Don't worrying about stuff happening, you know. It's very hard not to worry nowadays. But I'll show you right here. Verse 1 through 3. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Now, that kind of gave us some uh, looks at what we're trying to get a shape of what faith looks like here. It, we got a couple characteristics. We're to be humble. It goes a long way in faith. Because if you have pridefulness and you think, well, I can handle this, you know, I... I it's hard to be faithful and trusting whenever you don't recognize your own humility. It calls us to be gentle, not, you know, always worried and crazy. It calls us to be gentle. It calls us to be patient, which a lot of us struggle with. I know I struggle with it very much. You know, patience is very hard to come by these days. It calls us to be loving. A lot of us struggle with this even more because of patience, you know. If someone cuts you off on the interstate or something, you're just like, you know, but it's hard to be loving. Eager to maintain unity and peace of the church and spirit. Now, that means we should be eager to come together and build the church and build the spirit and lead more people. But sometimes we just get, you know, selfish. I don't want to, I don't want to do that today. I don't want to deal with this right now. I'm just tired. I want to go home and sleep. You know, that's all I want to do or just play Xbox or something. But, um, it also includes sacrificing ourselves for the greater call of Christ. Now, this one is, can go a couple different ways. You can physically sacrifice yourself by going doing work at a church or something, you know, doing a mission work for him. Or you can sacrificing some part of yourself that's like, I really like this, but it's really building up my walk with Christ. So um, that's where it comes into sacrificing yourself for it. And then we're supposed to be prisoners for Christ. He freed us, but we're prisoners for him. That means we serve him. We're always trying to glorify him. And lead people to him. Show him the glory of God. Now, what's, what's some truth about God? While we're here, let's take a little pit stop. What's some truth about God that we can see just in this passage right here? I'll read you this little scripture right here. 
There's one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gifts. Now let's kind of dissect this. I'm giving you all a lot of information right now, but this right here will really show you the truth about God. That a lot of times we kind of think, well, God's so mysterious, how can we see him? It's always in the scripture. He's right there in the words. And it's amazing how I couldn't even read this a couple of days ago. And I, I read it once while I was looking over my stuff for my sermon. I was like, I don't understand it. It's, it's not coming together. Everything's just kind of not coming together. It's not meshing. And then I prayed, prayed that I would see God. And I came back to it. And it's amazing the truth you find in scripture right here. Now, what I got from it is there's one body of Christ. One true body of believers, that means one path to heaven. One body of Christians who are, who are doing the right thing. One body of Christ. There is one Spirit of God, which means only one God. Not a bunch of them running around like polytheism, like Hinduism, Islam, all that. One God. One baptism by choice, like the christening in Catholicism where you get sprinkled on as a baby. I know it's, it's confusing to think about all these things. But one God who is the Father, or the Creator, who is above all creation. Now you think of a, a dad in the household. He leads the family. You don't see a son or a daughter leading the family, do you? No. The Father leads the family. God, as the Creator, leads His creation. He is the head of creation. But to everybody, everybody, everybody on planet Earth, everybody, with a soul, was given grace from the Father, which means... You're being scared. Judgment and from hell. Just let off. Go free. Out of prison. Out of everything we're waiting for. It's like being on death row and just walking out of the door. For free. Through the free gift that Christ gave to us by dying on the cross. Now, now that we've seen this little bit of truth, let's take another look at faith and see if we can form some more about it. Hebrews 11.1 1. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for and convictions of things not seen, like Leroy said. Now, James 2.17. So also, faith by itself, it does not, if it does not have works, is dead. Now, faith produces fruitfulness. Now, if you do works, will it produce faith? No. If you do faith, it should produce works. It should make you say, I want to go produce good works for God so I can glorify Him. And that through glorifying him, other people may see the glory of Christ. Now, it shows you that faith produces fruitfulness. Luke 7.50, and he said to them, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Faith saves the soul. Okay, we have another little aspect of it. Galatians 3.24, so then the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. So faith justifies. See, the law was the guardian of the Old Testament. Then Christ came, and now we're justified by faith. Okay? And then finally, John 14, 6, when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And that shows you right there, faith in Jesus is the only way. Now, I've got something for you, for one of you. Tenor.
I will sell you this special soda for five hundred dollars. Five hundred. Now this is a good deal. Listen, for five hundred dollars, this soda will make you live three hundred fifty years longer than you already will. Five hundred dollars. You gonna take it from me? Do you have faith in me? Do you have faith in this can to fulfill it? Five hundred. Come on, come on. You know you want to give it to me. I'll, I'll let you think. I won't make me some money before I leave here today. <laughs> but anyways, now, could I have fulfilled that promise? No. Christ can. Not through some miracle soda. I can't go buy a soda from the store and be like, Christ saved me, yeah! No. He fulfilled it. Okay, He came to fulfill His promises. His death on the cross shattered all earthly comprehension. Shattered governments. I mean, everybody was freaking out about this guy. I know today in um, VBS, in our Bible story, we were talking about how much the Sanhedrin were freaking out over Jesus being here. They were just saying, oh my goodness, you know, before it was like, well, everybody listens to us between, you know, they can believe in me, they can listen to me, and I'll lead them to it. But now Jesus is coming through and tearing up the playbook. He's saying, no, this is how it is. And that's the difference right there. Now, shattered all earthly governments, all earthly comprehension, and he even took sin captive. Now, in um, a different version of this, it talks about he took the captive, or the captor captive, which kind of, which kind of uh, let you know that what takes us captive a lot of times? Sin. A lot of times we'll think, I can't escape sin. You know, I'm always going to be captive to it. I'm always going to be in those chains. But when Christ died, he took sin captive. He said, no, I'm not going to let it happen anymore. You're my captive now. Now, after the resurrection, I don't know how much y'all know about this, but uh, I've got a little picture for y'all. I don't know how much y'all see it. Jesus descended from heaven, come down to earth for our earthly ministry. He died. He descended into the bowels of the earth. He went down into the earth. Those three days while he was in the tomb, he actually went down into the earth. Now, he didn't just stop there. He went even further. There's a void here that I've heard. Um, it's what people think is called Sheol. It's a great void between heaven and hell. Now, he descended through Sheol. He even entered the gates of hell and took the keys to hell. So by doing that, he basically said, you know, Satan, I'm not going to let you get to choose who goes here. I'm the judge. I'm the one who's going to choose who goes where. In verse 9, right here, he says, uh, in saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions of the earth? Now, after that, after his resurrection, whenever he rose... He ascended into heaven, thus fulfilling all of his earthly ministry of his physical being on earth and left the Holy Spirit for us. And he fulfilled everything, entirety, that everything through him, basically. So, verse 10, right here it tells you, He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. So when you see my little picture here, I know it's poorly drawn, but you see it goes down, goes up. He made the cycle. He made the cycle. 
He's done it all. He's the one who fulfilled everything. He could fulfill that promise. That's what he did. Matthew 5, 17 through 19. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly, I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. There, therefore, whoever relaxes one of these least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Romans 13.10 Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Now, Jesus fulfilled over 300 prophecies through his life and death. Over 300 prophecies. Now, that was made by you know, prophets thousands of years before him. He fulfilled them in his ministry. And it's the same thing after we're saved. You know, before you're saved, you always feel like, I'm missing something. There's a hole in my life. No matter what I do, no matter what I, I try, nothing can fill that hole. And I just feel, you know, I'm, I'm always yearning for something more. And after you, you um, accept God into your life and kind of realize what he's done for you and accept him as your Lord and Savior, it's like you're filled. Now, that doesn't mean it's easy, but it means he fills that void in your heart that's always searching for more. Now, now that we've got our faith, our basic layout, and our, um, losing my mind. After we got our faith and our, um, what is that word? Was anybody listening? Great. Fulfillment. That was it. Yeah. Shalom. Yeah. No. <laughs> now we have the function of our faith, the true function. Now, our faith has a realistic function in everyday life. Now, but we have to be ready to put it in effect and be ready to be used by God. Now, it doesn't just come by saying, okay, Lord, your will be done. I'm going to sit on the couch and eat tater chips. No, I'm just going to sit down here and wait for everything to be done. Now, that's not how it, it's not how it works. We're called to be his hands and his feet. Hands and feet. So we're supposed to carry his word. We're supposed to walk with it. We're supposed to spread it to all nations, to everybody. We're supposed to bring it to them. But do we just bring it to them and throw it on the ground and say, there it is, brought to them, mission accomplished. No. What we do is we take them by the hand and lead them back to the cross. That's what we were meant to do, is lead them to Jesus. In verse 11, these were his tools that he used. He calls you right here. And he gave the apostles the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers. Now, these are his tools that he's using for the function right here. All these you know, shepherds and teachers and pastors and whatever you might be. You're never called to just come, do your career, live and die. No, we're all called to have a ministry. No matter what our career is, I could go shovel dirt for my living every single day of my life. I still have a ministry to fulfill. The dude sitting beside me, that is my ministry. I can reach him through that. Now, what is his mission? Now, we saw what he's going to use as his tools. Now, we need to see what his mission and goal is. His mission is to lead the world to him and show him the glory of himself. He's showing the world the glory of Christ and what Christ did for us in, on, in dying for the cross. Now, does this mean... 
like everything's going to be easy and like he's just already got it set out and everything's just going to work out perfectly? No. If anything, it's going to get harder after you get saved. But he said it's going to be worth it. His mission is worth it. Now, we're supposed to glorify and edify Jesus in everything we do and lead people to him. Show, him the, show them the glory of Christ. Okay? Right here it talks about it in verse 12 through 14. I love this, this little bit right here. Now, all these people, you saw his tools. This is our mission. To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the ways and carried by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Okay? Now, there's his mission right there. I mean, it, I just love that because it pretty much tells you straight up what we need to be doing every day. Now, Philippians 3, 8 through 9 gives us again. Indeed, now just imagine this. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I might gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through the faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Okay? Philippians 2.13 For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Now, Y'all might laugh at me and the ones who do this, but uh, I take karate. And uh, me and Michelle and Leroy and Dad, and Mom used to, but she quit. And, um, we all take karate. And uh, Kevin, too. Kevin, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Kevin, too. But, uh, yeah. And Billy. I, I, I didn't even look over here. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. Anybody else? Anybody else? Okay. All right. At least I didn't miss anybody. All right. We have something we call form and function. Now, this difference between the two is form is for tradition. Form is for carrying on like, I got this move I really want to keep. But am I going to use it to fight with? No. We got something called the crane stance. You stand in the crane. Am I going to go up to someone and fight them on the street? Hey, man, let's go. Me and you. I will fight you right now. No. I'm going to get my face kicked in. Okay? Now, then you have function, which might not be the prettiest, but it does the job. Dad's showing me some new black belt stuff where I can just like break your arm, break your leg, and you're dead. It's like, wow, that works, you know. All the learning, all that stuff really paid off. But uh, it shows you form and function. Now, what is the function of this lighter? Have you seen me playing with it tonight? Light cigarettes. Light cigarettes. Wow. Good, good. Uh, sort of, to make fire. Whatever. Tanner's speaking from experience. To make fire. See fire. Woo, fire. Yeah. Okay. What is the function? What is the function of the soundboard? To make sound. To make all this sound good, so it doesn't sound like bad. We used, we had a whole day where we were trying to fix that where it sounded good instead of awful. Okay. What is the function of a football team? Our football team. What's our function, Jimmy? To win and to what? Go where? To state. We want that ring. That's our function. Our function is to grow and get better and win and go to state. What's the function of our army? When, when, when a country messes with us, what does our army do? 
Yeah. Goes in, kicks the door down, and is like, no, you will not do that to us. It's to defend our country and to do whatever needs to be done. Now, what's the function of us as Christians? To spread the word, to disciple. What? Reach the far corners of the earth. Exactly. We're supposed to honor and glorify God. Show His glory, reflect it to everybody else, and spread the word as much as we can. Now, I, I'm on my last point here. It's called the finale. Yeah, that sounds good. But uh, you might be asking yourself like, um, like some questions, you know. And it's totally cool. I, I definitely understand. I, it can be confusing to have all this, you know, here all the time. And it's just like so much. To, again, how am I supposed to learn it all, you know? But uh, first you might be asking, what will all of this lead to? What will all, all this I just read, what will all of it lead to? And it's like, this, what I just read you, first, it will lead up to the building of the church and capturing souls. So like, if, if, I'm a, if I'm a weak Christian and I just keep focusing on the faith that I have and just keep praying and keep working at it and keep working at it, am I going to stay a weak Christian? If I bench press every single day for like eight months and don't injure myself, will I eventually get strong? Yeah, exactly. Now see, it'll, it'll, it can strengthen even the weakest beat down spirit that thinks I just can't do it anymore. I can't do anything. It can strengthen it and bring it back, give it energy and life that it needs. Now, this right here, it will all lead to us as the church, hopefully. This is what the main goal of Christianity is, is to glorify God and spread his word to everyone on the face of the planet. Reflect his glory to them so that they mightn't come to know Christ. Now, next you might be asking, or my bad, my verses, verse 13 through 16. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ... So that way we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when every part is working properly, makes the body grow up so that it builds itself up in love. Now that shows you right there what it's leading to. Next, how will it build together? We hear it saying it's building together. How does it build? You, you can say, yeah, um, yeah, our crew's building that house over there. And they go, how are you going to build that? It's cool to say, yeah, we're building that. But if you don't know how to do it, how are you going to build it? I mean, it just doesn't happen. You have to know how. In 11 and 12, when I talked about like um, the different types of ministry and like the teachers and prophets and stuff, it talks about those are pivotal in the life of a believer. That is how. Because we each have a ministry that we can take to everybody on earth. And we can spread it as far as we can. And we can all lead um, someone to the glory of Christ and reflect Him by using our ministry. Now, um, in 13 through 16... That cool, cool verse I just read. It shows the goal of the church while we're on earth. What we're supposed to do while we're here. Which is striving to come together. And work together like, you know, a well-oiled machine. Work like, you know, you see like old 
rusty cars that don't really work too well, puttering down the road, and then you see like a Viper go by or like a Corvette or something fly by, and you're like, man, that thing's working right. That thing's working right. That's how we're supposed to work. We're supposed to all work together and come together, increasing the count of believers, spreading the word, and bringing honor and glory to Jesus. Now, at the end of the day, what's the bottom line? I mean, I, I can sit up here and tell you this all day, but eventually I'm going to get tired and go home. I mean, and I'd get tired and go home. But what's the bottom line? The, probably the most well-known verse, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus gives us a chance to separate ourselves from the uncleanliness of sin. He gives us a chance to get out of the mud, get out of the filth, get out of the death. He shows us the way to repentance and salvation. And it's the free gift. It's a free gift. It doesn't cost anything. We can't do anything to earn it. We can't say, $500, I want that coat. It's my gift. You know, No, he gives it to you. He says, here, just take it. He gives it to you. It's a free gift. Now, no amount of works or good deeds can buy your way to heaven. Now, now some of y'all might be going, oh, uh, well, how do we how do we make it then? How do we make that that cut? You know, well, let's read right here. Story of Paul and Silas in prison. An earthquake had just come and broken all the doors down. The guards freaking out. Acts sixteen twenty seven through thirty one. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried with a loud voice, "Do not harm yourself, for we are all here." And the jailer called for lights and rushed in, trembling fear, and fell down before Paul and Silas. And then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And then they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. Only by true, genuine faith and confession can you receive redemption from the death and sin of the earth. My last verse, Romans 10.9. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now, I'm done with my little uh, papers and outline and everything. Uh, I Actually, tonight, about a month ago, was I was planning to be a very special night. I was supposed to have a friend come see me here. And um, her name was Ariel. She's a good friend. I've known her all my life. Um, since I, When I was born, her parents came to visit me holding her when she was like one year old. So I've known her my entire life. And she, one of the last things she said to me in the hospital was um, she wanted to come hear me speak. And I told her I'd see her. And I've prayed. And I've, as, as you know, she passed away. But I've prayed and I've dreamt and I've seen her. And I know that she did it right. Everything I set out to do with this sermon, I set out to do with my faith. She got it. She did it right. And she, she spread it all she could. And she used her platform and ministry to witness to everybody she could. And that's what inspired me. Back when I was my, my weakest person, I, I, during all that, I was just like, I can't do anything. You know, I was all beat down. 
And then I just look at her and I'm like, what do I got to complain about? Why am I still here? You know, what? Everything she's done, and she still lives everything for other people, lives it for Christ, spreads his word. And I never saw her without a smile on her face. But that's the thing is it inspired me. Why am I still living like this? You know, why am I complaining? Why am I feeling that, you know, oh, woe is me, you know, all stuff. When God has already accomplished everything, all we have to do is accept him. She showed it the best she could. And she spread it as much as she could. So to close, I want to read this uh, this part of scripture I read um, at her funeral. Um, if you all close your eyes, I want you to I want you to picture everything I'm going to say. I want you to think about everything God is saying here, and I want you to focus on the words. Yes, and I rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, that this will turn out for my deliverance. As it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh... That means fruitful labor. Yet, which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I am hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and to be with Christ. For that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all. For your progress and joy in the faith. So that in me, you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming again or coming to you again. Only let your manner of life be worthy of all the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or I am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Now just keep your eyes closed. Um Thank you for the worship band this earlier. Yeah, if you, um, y'all can come on up. Um, I appreciate all y'all being here tonight. Um, God really spoke in this sermon. And it was first strange to me to grasp all that was in these verses and all that was here for me to see. And it took me a while to get it. And it was hard. I'm not going to lie. It was hard for me. But then... God opened my eyes. He opened my eyes back to Him. And um, I know God might be speaking to some of you, of you tonight. And if you'd like um, to talk to anybody, Pastor Jesse's in the back of the room. Um, but tonight, um, there's no kind of invitation or nothing. I'm not like that. But what I want to say to you all tonight is um, pray for faith. Pray that you might be able to see faith and have the faith in everyday life that moves mountains, that doesn't stop, that keeps a smile on your face because you know God is right there with you, that he's got his hand on your shoulder, that you don't have anything to worry about. Because faith, you, you don't have to worry like we said earlier. Faith is trusting 
in His invisible hand. We're supposed to have faith. And through this, we can see His hand moving and even, even when we think the wind is laid and there's no more wind. That's when we see God moving, sometimes the most. So tonight, I just want y'all to think and to pray about faith and that God will show you that faith. Um, let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this night, Lord. Thank you for allowing each of us to be here and each of us to come here and um, see you and hear you uh, tonight, Lord. Um, I thank you for giving me the words to say, Lord, and allowing my voice to continue through this, Lord. Um, I thank you for giving me enough breath to finish this sermon, Lord. I thank you for de- delivering us all, Lord. I, um, I, I thank you for your conviction, Lord, and your uh, opening of my eyes. I pray that you would open everyone in here's eyes, Lord, and unleash their potential. Unleash their, unleash their minds for you, Lord. Allow them to see how great and how mighty you are and how even in the quiet times you're still moving, Lord. You're still, you still have your hand moving through each of us, Lord. I thank you and bless you, Lord. Or, um, I thank you and serve you, Lord. I thank you for blessing me. And um, I pray that you would move through each of us tonight, Lord. And um, just help us to take something away from this, Lord. Um, I praise your name, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.